Hi, I'm Isabella. And I'm Jeff. We're two Asian Australians who want to explore what it means to be Asian in the West. And you're listening to As I Am. Welcome back. Jeff and I are really excited today as we are sitting down with Mary Lou. She is currently based in Sydney, Australia, and the founder of Soy and Spice, a lingerie brand that aims to empower Asian women. Mary, how are you today? So good to see you. Good to see you too. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, I've been really great. Excited for today. Yeah, no, it's an absolute honor. I think for Jeff and I, it's always so exciting to just, you know, meet and have a chat with Asian founders, especially of businesses. So um, we were particularly excited to hear about Soy and Spice. And, you know, I guess from that, we'd actually love to kind of figure out and, you know, understand the story behind it. So tell us about yourself. What drove you to start Soy and Spice and what's the driving inspiration behind the business? Yeah, and I love sharing this story as well. So I've actually been in the startup and entrepreneurship scene for the last 11 years. And so I started my journey at the age of 19, where I had co-founded a charity called M Squared, which was aimed at helping on the privileged children in China and Sri Lanka. And mm. um, through, I guess, my years of being involved in the entrepreneurship space and kind of in the leadership space, I realized that there's this lack of female leadership or this lack of female entrepreneurs Um, and within that there's a lack of Asian female leaders and female entrepreneurs so through this kind of journey that I've been on by myself I've kind of thought that there's this need of a voice there's this need of empowerment in Asian women to kind of Mm. push our boundaries and to try new things out and um, when I quit my last corporate job I've always kind of wanted to come back to entrepreneurship. So, you mm. know, after I quit my last startup, um, you know, I worked at the university for a few years, kind of running their startup program and, you know, mentoring some of the students um, that came through the, the startup hub at the university. And through that process as well, you know, I realized that, you know, there's a need for this push in the female leadership and female entrepreneurship, especially in the Asian community. And when I quit my last corporate job, you know, I was thinking, you know, what, what, what should I do? You know, I still want to come back into entrepreneurship. I still love this area so much. This is still where my passion lies. And I've always loved lingerie as well. And mm. so, you know, when I wear it, you know, I feel so, so beautiful and so confident. But when mm. I talk to my Asian girlfriends about it, I realize that hardly any of them, you know, feel comfortable in even talking about things like sex or things like that body. I realized that it's the fact that, you know, we've been brought up in our culture, you know, to not talk about this kind of stuff. And so when I started digging into this even more, I realized that, you know, there's actually a connection between us, you know, feeling like we can have this power to do something new or try something else that's outside of the traditional kind of status or outside Mm. of this traditional road and how we can be comfortable enough in you know talking about you know things like sex things like body and just being proud of our sexuality and just the way our body looks and so that's where I guess the inspires kind of started to become something that was more just than just an idea and mm. so um yeah I started to talk to more people and I realized that you know it is embedded into our culture 
that us women, Asian women, have this feeling of just not being comfortable enough to talk about things like that. And that's where I want the brand to kind of symbolize, to symbolize mm. um, this empowerment, to symbolize this idea of us having this courage to open discussions about these areas that just been hidden under the carpet for so long. And the brand has been running for about two and a half years now. Mm. And uh, we've got in the customers across the, the country, in the States, in Canada and the US. And just being, you know, looking at ways to grow, obviously. And, you know, being a solo founder is, is definitely difficult. And I'm sure that we've got some time later to really talk about the difficulties of that. But yeah, so this is where I'm at at the moment. Wow, that's, awesome. that's incredible. That's incredible. That's awesome. I just love, um, you know, this intersection between, like you said, right, this lack of Asian leaders, but especially Asian female leaders, but especially exploring a topic like sex, like sexuality, which I think is so underrepresented in so many businesses and areas of society. Um, so that's incredibly inspiring. So thank you for sharing that tidbit. Yeah. It's awesome to see the, um, the dual purpose as well, because you've got mm. this area where you're trying to tackle it. It's like we're trying to empower people to explore sexuality and talk about sex, but you also have that business side of it as well. It's like, how do I create something that can generate revenue? So I think a lot of these new startups that are especially found by um, Asian founders as well, they always have this sort of dual purpose. It's yes, I want to be successful. I want to be uh, a good entrepreneur, but I also have this, I guess, more social led cause on the side as well. So it's always really awesome to see um, founders having that dual purpose within their businesses. Um, and sort of when we were looking at the website, we noticed that your products have Asian design influences. What was sort of the inspiration behind that? Yeah, because being the brand that we are, you know, being the, the symbol that we're trying to um, empower, I felt like for us to really embody this idea of this confidence idea, you know, this idea of us feeling like, you know, we are 100% comfortable with how we look as women, you know, we need to have products that represent us. And so having the Asian design, having the Asian influence is, is a key element of this idea. And so what I'm trying to do with, you know, my products is use sustainable fabrics um, mm. And, you know, try, try and incorporate, you know, things that would really represent the, the Asian community on a different level. So, for example, the products that I've got coming, I'm sure over the next couple of months, um, I'm using bamboo fabrics. Mm. And so that's something that I think would be quite unique to kind of push out into the market. And it's mm. so comfortable. So it feels, it feels so light. Like I, I've got mm. a sample and I'm like, I love it so much. It's, <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's incredible. And um, it's, it's a sustainable fabric as well. So, you know, it has that added element on top of that course that we're trying to be, not just the, another lingerie line. You know, we're trying to tap into, like you said, Jeff, the other aspect of being socially conscious. Mm -hmm. And is that sort of something that your customers are wanting as well? Like they want these products with the social purpose, but also that sustainability element. And does that sort of make it quite difficult for you as the founder to sort of source the materials and actually run the business that has all these goals to tick off? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's hard enough trying to tackle one goal. Mm. <laughs> you know, I've got all these other other things that, you know, my customers want as well. And for me to be able to, I guess, meet all of their needs, it's not feasible, right? So I just have to pick the most important ones. Mm. And from talking to my customers now and understanding what's important to them has, you know, really allowed me to tailor my products to fit their needs. And I um, mean, everyone these days, you know, is really conscious about the environment, right? Really conscious about, you know, doing something good for the world. And so 
even my packaging, you know, I'm, I'm using, you know, sustainable materials and, you know, even my labels and stuff, you know, they're all being used, I'm all using recycled materials as well. So I think it's a, it's a key element in, in the brand as well. That's mm. awesome. That's awesome. I think the sustainability element is an interesting piece, but I think what I find most striking is just, you know, the ethos behind the idea of the fact that, you know, I think your main target audience are Asian women. And I'd love to kind of unpack that further and just talk a little bit about the importance of, you know, highlighting Asian women's sexuality and like female empowerment. Because I think often Asian women are very much the victims of certain types of stereotypes and boxing in of categories, right? On the one hand, you know, Asian women had often been taught and perceived to be quote-unquote modest and quote-unquote docile. But on the other hand, Asian women are often the victims of hypersexualization and racial racial fetishization. How can Asian women reclaim their sexuality and in what ways do you think your brand promotes this? Mm. And that's a great question. And I think, you know, it all starts with having open conversations about certain topics for us women to have, you know, open discussions with each other and not feel like it's a shameful thing to talk about and not to do it because, you know, we want attention from guys or not, not to do it because of other factors. It's just because, you know, we want to understand sexuality more as women, as Asian mm. women, because I think that conversation just hasn't been spoken about enough it's so taboo you know mm. yeah. yeah yeah exactly and on the other hand for us to just embrace our bodies for how it is and embrace our sexuality for it is whatever whatever we identify with like don't be ashamed of it like however we look just be okay with it we've been brought up with this standard of what beauty is and it's time to break that it's time to change that and to just understand that everyone's beautiful in their own ways and there's not a set standard of this is beautiful because mm. yeah, everyone is and come to really have that conversation. And I think that's the start of everything. Mm. Mm. I guess you touched on this a bit earlier as well. And it's sort of about that upbringing element because Asian households traditionally are a lot more conservative. And I don't know about you guys, but I never had the bees. What, what is it? The birds and the bees? Is that the yeah. conversation? <laughs> I, never had the, I never had the sex conversation. No, the only thing the I talk. had was yeah. uh, I think I was 15 and mom just said to me, uh, do you know uh, what happens uh, if, uh, you know, men and women? I was like, yeah, 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 yep, yep, yep. I know, don't, 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 don't do that. I'm like, I do, I'm not, I'm not emotionally ready to have this conversation. But I think that reaction that I had sort of speaks a lot to what happens in Asian households around the world, especially children of immigrants, where we're just not taught to speak about sexuality. And I think that upbringing really translates into how we navigate the topic as we get a bit older because even now it's like um, this isn't something that I would talk to my parents about I think with friends I think that is where a lot of that conversation goes on but even then it's not that open I don't know what that experience has been for you yeah same with me like I've, I've never had a proper conversation with with my mom and even within my friend circle it's, it's not something that we actively talk about it's still something that, you know, we, we don't feel comfortable in discussing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as, as a young teenager, you know, growing up, it's very important for us to understand, you know, certain things and um, for us to have this you know, community of people that we can turn to and talk about certain things. But we don't have that right now. You know, mm-hmm. it's non-existent. I, I guess on that, like, what were your parents' reactions or your family's kind of reception to you starting Soy and Spice? Was it feedback that you were expecting or was it a reaction that you were expecting or not at all? I'd love to kind of hear how that panned out. 
funny, funny you ask that um, because when I was starting my first or my second business, so the one after the charity, my mom thought I was going crazy. Like she thought <laughs> I actually, you know, something was wrong with me. She thought I was going through something because I actually studied psychology in, in right. my uni bachelor's degree. And so nothing to do with business. No one in my immediate family did business. And I said, hey, mom, you know, I'm going to stop my psychology career and become an entrepreneur instead. She literally freaked out. She actually thought like I was going through something like in my life. And so through that period, our, our relationship was very rocky, mm. um, you know, because of the fact that, you know, I actually grew up in Adelaide. So I came to Sydney to continue studying my bachelor's degree mm. and just completely rebelled out and being like, hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm going to drop everything that I've learned for the last four years and do something that I have no idea in. And so after I kind of proved myself through my business, you know, telling, you know, her all the stories and you know, she, she's seeing the success that I was, you know, making as a woman, like growing as a woman, not necessarily in the business. Yes, you know, I was making money, but that wasn't where I think she was the most proud. She really saw me grow into someone that she never thought I could become mm. through, my, through, mm. through that business journey. And then after that, you know, I got the full-time job at the uni and then, you know, worked there, gained some more experience, gained some more connections. So this time around, when I said, hey, mom, you know, I'm going to drop my uh, nine to five stable corporate job and do this <laughs> crazy ass business selling bras. Compromising that nine to five stability is uh, always such I a risk, <laughs> as in, like, it's always perceived to be such, like, it's like the worst thing you could ever do, right? <laughs> <laughs> she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I think she's uh, used to it now. She, she kind of, yeah, come sooner or later. Yeah. Um, but then after I told her about the brand, you know, after I told her about the, the story behind why I, why I want to start this, um, she's actually really supportive. Um, mm, I grew up awesome. with a single mom. Yeah, I grew up with a single mom. So, um, you know, having mm. her support there really does mean a lot. Mm. Um, but yeah, so this time around, I think she expected it a lot more than the last time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I'd love to kind of unpack that, but especially, I guess, two things. Firstly, you know, and you kind of alluded to this before, but, you know, what the challenges were and how you found the experience of navigating a business as like a sole founder. But secondly, I'd love to delve more into, I guess, like your comfort or kind of openness of sexuality. Was this something that you felt grew whilst you were like undergoing the business and growing the business or did you find that you were already comfortable and confident with your sexuality and you felt like you needed to kind of showcase that through your business? Yeah, so to answer your first question, being a solo founder is difficult to the extent where, you know, nobody really talks about. I think, you know, a lot of people kind of glorify entrepreneurship. You know, they, mm. they think that it's something that's so cool. You know, people just make tons of money and things like that, but it's not really like that. There's so much hard work behind building a business um, that really no one really talks about. That's one of the other reasons why, you know, I want to continue on this road because I want to share my journey. I want to share my stories to other young women or young, you know, Asians that want to start up their own thing. And, you know, having a role model in the media, you know, in, in present is very, very important because when I was starting off, there was really no one for me to look up to. Mm. Um, there was really no one for me to model off mm. um, and I think like the the learnings that I've gained is very valuable and I can you know pass on the knowledge to others that want to start up their own line or start up their own businesses 
And uh, through my work at UNSW at the moment, so I'm a associate lecturer at a uni here, you know, I teach innovation and collaboration. And so with the experience that I've got running my own businesses, I'm able to really help students with their ideas as well. And like a lot of them, you know, come out and they say, oh, wow, you know, actually, I really want to continue working on this idea because of mm. the experience that I had in this course. And that, that's what I want. You know, that's the kind of momentum that I want to keep going in this space. And I think it's important to have this representation. And then coming to your second question about my sexuality and you know, how comfortable I was. Growing up, I, I've always been kind of conscious about my body because you know, I'm very petite, I'm very small. And you know, every time when I go to like a family gathering or whatever, my aunties and my mom's friends always come to eat more. Like they literally shove food down my throat. Oh and my gosh, yeah. yeah. Comments about your body at a family gathering is, oh my God, such a norm. I got the opposite. I was always too fat. <laughs> yeah so why 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 do, why do you do this like, i don't think that mm. actually really I, I know it comes from a place of good but mm. it, it doesn't do that to us yeah, yeah it really absolutely. damages our self-esteem yeah. right so growing up always being very flat tested and i grew up in adelaide so there was hardly any asians mm. in my school so there's only two asians in my high school and i was one of them and so all my friends were white and so when they started to hit puberty, you know, everyone started to get, you know, big, big boobs and like, you know, curves and stuff. And mm. I was sitting there, I was like, what's going on? Something wrong with me? I just felt mm. like something was wrong with me. Mm. And then um, when I went to the family gatherings, you know, people would say, okay, why are you so skinny? You know, why, why aren't you eating enough? I'm like, I am eating. Like, I just can't, you know, gain the weight and I can't grow my boobs. You know, there's no way for me to, like, it's out of my control. You know, what am I supposed to do? Mm. And so throughout that period of my life, I was, really conscious I was really anxious about you know mm. how I looked and so I was always in a padded bra I would never wear anything besides that and so it wasn't until I hit I think 18 or 19 I went bra shopping one day and I was like you know what I'm just going to try on this really nice lacy looking bra because I was, I was due for a new one and I tried it on and I was like oh my god like I actually look amazing in this like why mm-hmm. don't I feel amazing like this all the time yep. and yep. so that's when my mentality changed that's the kind of feeling that I want to give to everyone that wears so spice. Like, you know, you, you don't have to pretend to be someone that you're not to be beautiful. You are beautiful yourself. Oh my God. No, I love that. I love that. And I think the story that you mentioned about trying on like a nice bra for the first time or trying on nice lingerie, it's absolutely crazy. Like how good you feel. And I feel like that's something that a lot of women I think can relate to. So no, thank you for sharing that. And I think that's something that I've noticed quite a bit in this industry of lingerie, right? Like I think There's been recently this huge wave of progressive and inclusive approaches to lingerie. You know, you look at Rihanna's Savage and Fenty brand and the quote-unquote undoing of Victoria's Secret. You know, what do you see in the future of lingerie? Yeah, um, there's just two things. Um, First of all, I think the inclusivity message is just going to get bigger. It's just going to spread more widely and um, that more lingerie brands would adapt or adopt this message in their own line of branding as well mm. and I think it's important because especially in this day and age you know uh and every, everything's moving towards that inclusivity messaging so if you're not on that train you're kind of really missing out you're kind of going to become redundant one of these days mm. so mm. um I think definitely that message is just going to get bigger and bigger and the word inclusivity would just mean more things Mm. Um, you know, it could, it could mean serving people with certain body dysfunctions or, you know, mm. it, will, it will just become bigger and bigger. So right now, it's just really, you know, about the body shape 
mainly, um, but mm. I think in the future, it could definitely represent more things. That's what I guess so inspired is also trying to tap into as well when it comes to like your sexual identity. If you kind of go through our Instagram page, there was a collaboration that I did with a um, transgender um, mm. a woman in Melbourne for the Mardi Gras campaign last yeah. year, I think, or the year before. Mm. Yeah, and so so we really want to be representing different diversity, not just body diversity, but yes. diversity in all aspects. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's yeah. that's the area that it should be moving towards in terms of the industry. Mm. And the second thing is because lingerie right now is still seen as a luxury. I think mm. more and more in the future, it will just seen as something as a necessity, as you know, something that every woman should be able to wear or should be able to own and not just the selected few. I think, yeah, those are the two things um, yeah. that the industry is moving towards. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and do you think like that's sort of key to what you're trying to achieve as a brand with Soy and Spice? Like moving forward, like you want to be inclusive not just from a body perspective, but across all different kinds of people and also to build in that, I guess, affordability aspect as well. Is that sort of what you're seeing in the future of Soy and Spice? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, um, I think, you know, because our target market are aged between 24 to 30, so, you know, the young professionals, um, mm. so they don't have that much passive income or like income that they can just spend on things like lingerie. But a lot of them want to, you know, a lot of them really want to have you know, beautiful laundry. They want to have a collection of these beautiful items, but they just don't have the capability to do mm. so because there's other things that they need to look out for with their money, right? So I definitely think you know, if we can bring the price point down more and make it more accessible to the general public, why not? Yeah, for sure. I guess like you're sort of within the industry, you're seeing a lot of these trends. I guess like we'd love to hear as like a last question. From your perspective, do you think that strong progress has been made uh, in terms of sexual empowerment amongst the Asian community. And I guess like from your perspective, um, what do you think are ways that we can improve sexual empowerment within the Asian community? Mm. Um, it all comes down to representation again, I think. If you scroll through in the Victoria's Secret, if you scroll through any of the, the big brands, I mean, you hardly see any Asian their website or yeah. on the Instagram or on any of their socials. And uh, I think it's important, in, in particular, if you want to move the needle on something, to have representation. And that's, I guess, what Soy and Spice is trying to do without sexualizing the women. You know, we're yeah. not there to, you know, showcase the body of the women. We're really there to showcase everyday women wearing lingerie, everyday Asian women wearing lingerie. And that's mm. completely fine. You know, mm. that, that's the message that we're trying to send out there. And I think there is progress, but there needs to be more. So like I said before, you know, having these open conversations and you know, starting things like, like what you guys are doing right now is absolutely amazing. And having more voices you know, out there in the community you know, talking about these kind of things, making it so it's okay. It's normal, like trying to normalize yeah. these type of topics and rather than taboo-wise these kind of topics is, yeah. I think, the starting point. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And hopefully, you know, this is also a generational thing. You know, I feel like I'd hope that, you know, people in our generation will become parents or people who speak to the younger generation of Asian people and Asian women in particular, 
that sex and sexuality is something to be normalized because it is human and it is normal. And I think, yeah, it's absolutely incredible to see what you're doing with the brand. And we are so excited to kind of see you grow it and see all the wonderful things you do with it. So thank you so much, Mary, for taking the time to sit down with us. Um, we've had an absolute blast just speaking to you and learning about this. Um, before we go, though, sorry, just off topic, but do you have any other questions you'd like to talk about before we leave? Yeah, I just want to congratulate you two as well. Like, you guys are doing such important jobs. Like, seriously, like, I'm, I'm not, you know, trying to sweet talk you guys or anything like that. But I honestly <laughs> think, um, I'm, like, Thank from the you. bottom of my heart, just keep, keep, on, keep on going. Like, just do what you guys have been doing and just keep it up um, because, you know, you guys are making an impact. And, uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate you guys giving me the time today. So thank you. Oh, thank no worries. You. Thanks, Mary. Like, I think one of the biggest takeaways is representation, representation, representation. Like, I think it is actually making a lot of progress. Uh, we're seeing, like, a lot of news anchors that are Asian now. I'm seeing them on the screens and stuff. And it's like, we didn't have that when we were kids. And these, like, this gradual progress where we see more Asian faces across all industries, working in all different sorts of jobs, I think is incredibly important. Um, I think the last thing was just be, um, Mary, is there anything that you want to plug to our audience before we get you out of here? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, if you want to hop onto Instagram, find us at Soy Spice Andre, or check out our website at soyspice.com. Amazing. Thanks, Mary. Um, and if you enjoy this episode, give us five stars wherever you get your podcasts. I think you can actually rate podcasts on Spotify now, which is an excellent new feature. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Cheers. Bye.